when you compare the numbers there, it's, it's mind blowing. There's 3,500 infants that pass away at home that are completely healthy, you know, not with conditions. These are just babies that were laid to sleep on their belly when they should have been laid to sleep on their back or where the mom, you know, or dad fell asleep while feeding them, you know, and, and rolled over or, you know, one baby, you know, these, these kind of things that no one really expects to happen. The number is massive when you compare it to the car seat. It's actually the number one cause of, of accidental deaths in, in, in the first year of life. So, you know, Welcome to Innovation and Leadership, where I interview uncommonly high achievers like top investment fund managers, elite special operations soldiers, startup CEOs who sold their companies for billions of dollars, pro athletes, Hollywood filmmakers, really as many different kinds of experts as I can. The whole idea is to hear how they did it and then what advice they have for the rest of us that can be applied to the organizations we're trying to grow and innovate. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's show. Today on the show is part two of our interview with Jordan Monroe, co-founder at Outlet. If you didn't hear about the amazing baby sock that they invented that helps you know what's going on with your baby when they're sleeping instead of like my anxiety ridden years of <laughs> rushing in to make sure my kids are still alive, you should really go uh, back, listen to episode one, go check out their company, Outlet. But Jordan, right when we were kind of ending the first part of the interview, I was really interested to maybe ask you some questions about product where you've been so integral in the cameras and everything that you guys have come out since this amazing sock as well. What, what do you feel like you've learned from the years of doing this? And, you know, now that you guys are past $50 million a year in revenue, what do you feel like you've learned that you wouldn't have just been able to get from the business books? Like, what did you learn that you probably couldn't have learned any other way than actually doing it? Oh man. I think most of it, you have to just like get in and, and kind of get your hands dirty as far as like product market fit or like i guess i guess the biggest thing honestly is like i think we're we are raised in a world that is like we're trained to think that the answer lies within the bubble sheet you know what i mean like it's either a b c or d and the truth is there's a and there's z and there's a whole spectrum of answers between a and z and you know a might be 100% wrong and z might be 100% right but you might find a choice somewhere in between and just, you know, move the gear toward one or the other. And I think that was what was hard is we were like, well, what's the answer? Like, what's the right answer? And it was like, a lot of times it's like, it, it really matters, depends on your business. And most of the time the answer is like, it depends. And like, you know, sometimes making the call that might not be hundred percent right, but making it quickly and, and, you know, doing what kind of fits in with your strategy is is more important than I think just like finding the answer. And I used to like turn to advisors or, you know, one time entrepreneurs, almost like they were teachers, like they had, oh, the answer is D. I'm like, oh man, the answer was D, you know, but it's really not that simple. Like we actually sometimes would have people that say, hey, do this. You know, we'd have like three experts that all agreed to do this. And we're like, but gosh, it doesn't make sense. Like we're looking at our business and I know they're all saying to go do D, but we actually think it's F. You know, we go make the call and, you know, it turns out that like we knew what was best for our business. And I think like having that kind of like personal belief in your understanding of your business and also like realizing, you know, like leaning on advisors to get a ton of insight, but then at the end of the day, like calling the shot yourself. Yeah. How do you, what kind of tools would you advise others in navigating that decision between, man, they're so smart, they make such good points, and I still feel like they're wrong. You yeah. know, like this, I guess for me, I feel like I've failed on both sides of that in the past, where 
I just too arrogantly ignored data and went with my gut when I shouldn't have. And then other times, you know, overly relied on what somebody else said, even when my brain was screaming at me the other way. Right. Yeah. And any thoughts for navigating that tightrope there? Gosh, that is like, even as you say that, I think of like a handful of times where like my own arrogance has led to the exact same thing, you know, and you know, almost exactly how you explained it. I think it's just like, I think trying to understand the perspective that that person is coming from is really helpful. You know, like, okay, this person's never built an app. So they understand everything that they said hardware wise, I totally need to agree with and like really instill that into how I'm making this decision. But the app side, like this, they've just never done this software backend piece. And so I, I can't, I need to go find someone else that gives me that perspective and almost like combining their perspectives to, you know, get an idea. And so really just trying to get an understanding of like, what's their perceptions or maybe even their, what could be blinding them a little bit and trying to take that into account and blinding yourself probably. Yeah. Well, I'm interested the same thing with, with like user feedback or anybody who's saying, I realize for our business to get to the next level, our product needs to get to the next level, whether that's a service or a physical product or what digital product, whatever it is. Right. Yeah. Any thoughts about how to reduce our bias, how to like actually like listen with a beginner's mind instead of just search for confirming evidence? Yeah, no, I think, man, I, gosh, I am the worst at this. Like I will come up with a hypothesis and then just everything just confirms what I think I'm already seeing, you know? <laughs> and sometimes the hardest thing is to stop and be like, okay, I don't actually, this is possible. And almost question your own beliefs, you know, as if they were, Every, you know, like every other, you know, income belief that you might, uh, of, of other people's that you might have to, you know, think hard on. Yeah, I think. Is it I something think, about the repetitions when you hear something enough times that it can help ring a bell of like, man, I haven't been really taking that serious. Is it any? I think it's a combination of knowing yourself. So understanding like, okay, here's my biases. You know, my bias actually is an outlet user is that I might not have been an early adopter of Outlet, but I probably would have been a later adopter for different reasons, you know? And so I need to understand that, like, this is my personality type. And when I look at a customer, I don't need to broadcast my own kind of beliefs on what they're telling me just to reconfirm what I think should be done. So I think starting with your own biases is probably, you know, the most beneficial and kind of knowing yourself in that way. And then I think it's, it's honestly this combination of like qualitative and quantitative information and then, you know, insight, and, and then I feel like insights are when something kind of rings true, like you said, like something strikes a chord, and you're like, holy crap, like, here's all the combination of these pieces of information that I've, that I know about, but now it, it all kind of aligns and, and tells a really compelling story now that I see it this way. And I think sometimes those like zings of insight are, are really crucial, and it's, it's not entirely a gut feel, but like, it rings true when you hear it, you know? Yeah. You know, well, I'd, I'd love to think about this in terms, you know, I'm thinking about the, your new product, the Dream Lab, right? And our friend Amy Stellhorn from Big Monocle, I, you know, I've, I heard about this and Jay Davis from Creatively, who we've had on the show's friend, I, I'd heard that you guys were doing this and it seemed really interesting. And I guess my first question is, going from like physical product design, what did you find different in the experience? Well, let's give everybody the elevator pitch on Dream Lab. And then I want to hear how that experience has been different for you. Yeah. So Dream Lab is basically a sleep consultant 
for a fraction of the cost in using software. So started when my son was, my third son was waking us up like every two hours. And I was like, this is insane. So we hired a sleep consultant. Actually, I got Alec to pay for a sleep consultant because I used his market research. Uh, but it was 600 bucks. <laughs> and this little guy that was waking me up every two hours was totally transformed into a baby that would sleep 13 hours a night, like no questions asked, you know? And I was just kind of blown away by that transformation and really came to realize that every baby can go through that transformation. And so I was like, okay, let's, how could we get this, automate this using software and get the cost of it from $600 down to a fraction of that? So, you know, now you can buy Outlet for 99 bucks. And we worked with the world, like world's biggest experts in sleep consulting. And we built a software tool that asks you a lot of questions, comes to understand your baby and then generates like a sleep plan along with a, like 30 minutes of videos that explain like how to do everything. And uh, like 80% of our customers go from exact same experience as me, you know, being woken up a bunch to, you know, every, every single night sleeping all the way through the night. So yeah, it's, it's a pretty cool product that we built. Well, when I hear about that, I mean, it sounds like you guys are making products like your Apple to all of a sudden you're becoming like masterclass, but instead of Samuel L. Jackson, it's the sleep consultants, right? Yeah. So yeah. can you talk about, can you talk about what you didn't expect or what was different when you're now creating this instead? You know, so much still applies, you know, you still got like the basics of like, what's the value prop? Can the consumer understand that in like a Facebook ad sized chunk? If anything, it actually brought back like the same things that we already know. You know, I mean, building building software versus hardware was a, was a little bit different and kind of fun because it moved so much quicker and we were able to iterate and build. And like, I love that piece. But, you know, it still kind of came back to a lot of the same stuff. You know, I'll be kind of vulnerable here, but like the Dream Lab, one of the problems with Dream Lab is that you actually can't explain it really quickly. You know, what I just explained took me way too long and we that doesn't fit on a Facebook ad. And it's really kind of a bummer because the product is the best thing out there. I mean, it blows anything else really out of the water. It's, it's so well-made, but it doesn't fit on a Facebook ad. Well, you know, it doesn't fit in a really small digestible way to say it. And so, you know, that's like, it's like startup 101, you know, can you quickly describe the, the value prop? And that's something that we're been struggling with, with, with the dream lab. Interesting. Um, so in a lot of ways, you know, it's, it's different, but in a lot of ways, it's the basics are, are still just need to be nailed. Yeah. Well, I'd love to get your advice having, you know, you figure out, you know, you've got these experts who objectively know what to do, right? And now you mm -hmm. have to figure out a, an easy way to help parents who you're not physically in proximity with to translate that into what they're doing with their baby, right? And I think about us, we're, you know, we're getting this real estate investment trust going, buying apartment complexes, and we're using the Jobs Act regulations so we can market it to the general public, right? Mm -hmm. And our thought is, hey, instead of just going head, head to head with all these other investment funds out there, let's go help entrepreneurs actually make more money so they can afford to buy this passive income from us and, you know, have a, don't, don't have that anxiety of help, having all their eggs in one basket, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I'm a real book nerd. You know, I've done seven or 800 business books in the last dozen years and you know 375 episodes of this show and classes at harvard and stanford and i'm kind of like a you know consume a lot of info right and i get the benefit of asking all these people who you know like the ceo of zoom or i was telling you today we had the chairman of JetBlue on earlier right like these people with objectively high experience value 
what they think of all these theories that I'm consuming. And so I feel like in certain ways we've gotten a grasp on methodologies that seem to work in multiple industries, multiple stages of companies, whatever, right? And now I think about, great, if we were going to scale this, it would take a long time for other people to read the same 700 books as me, right? So yeah. I'm going, man, we need to make this so user-friendly that, you know, at these different breakpoints, you know, the, the 20 employees, the 40 employees, the 150 employees, that they can be coming to us and going like, not that we're the, not that we even know what to do, but I'm like, we're almost like the librarians. Well, hey, listen, if you're in that phase, these friends of ours whose companies are doing 50 millions or, or more recommend this methodology plus this plus this, you know? Yeah. Now, my advantage is I don't need to claim that intellectual property because I'm not going to make any money off it. I'm actually referring to these other people. So they'll probably like the collaboration from us, right? But mm -hmm. I still have to do what they haven't, which is they haven't been able to get your, that message to this entrepreneur who needs it. And I'm thinking a ton about how do I make it attractive enough and bite-sized enough and, you know, I don't know, help it translate into what they can actually implement. Any, any guidance for me there? Oh gosh. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Like I was just thinking as you're saying that, like no one's going to write a book on like how a venture backed company goes from like a hundred to 200 employees and you know, venture back hardware company. It's just like, no one's going to write that book because you know, the sample or the audience size is like in the thousands, you know, it's like you need, you need a more mass appeal thing if you want to make any money on like that kind of info, like that's the information uh, or the way of getting information across. So it's like, yeah, it, it, when you put it like that, it is kind of hard to like scale the information to the right audiences. I guess, I guess it could be just like a network of like connecting advisors to, you know, people who have been there and almost you could go in as an advisor and be like, like I'm Jordan Monroe. I've done hardware, software, you know, venture rounds of these four sizes and dealt with like the FDA and all these things. Right. I could go in and tick all these boxes and then, you know, someone could kind of like date almost like a dating site for like advisors, you know, because well, that's interesting. Yeah. Like we've brought on, like we brought on a board member who was at Fitbit and really was there from like $5 million in revenue, like 2.2 billion. And man, like we get him in like, his happy place or like talking about, you know, growth and how to grow retail. And he can tell us like, you'll see a 25% growth just from doing this, this, you know, it's like the amount of like exact knowledge in our space. that's super usable is, is pretty amazing versus, you know, maybe someone who's had entrepreneurial experience, but in like the wireless industry or something like that, you know? Yeah. You know, what's interesting when, as you're saying that um, it makes me think like, you know, let's say we find somebody like you or one of these other people who've been on the show, right? Who who's interested in that kind of a thing, and if we're just a media company getting attention for them, essentially, we could facilitate, like, you know, as these different entrepreneurs who are who are trying to do this come up with questions, we're going to different experts and you know record a quick record a quick episode like this or something, right? With the whole intention of. You know, and if you liked Jordan's answers here and you think this is what your business needs, here's how you contact him and, and find out what his rates are. You know what I mean? And like, yeah, yeah. Give, give the quick answer, give enough for people to realize there is an answer, right? But not yeah. feel like we're abusing the advisors because, you know, once you realize, oh, that's our guy, you know, it's almost like 
you know, if I use a bad example, it's like giving cigarettes to kids. <laughs> the more you give them, the more they want, right? It's like when you when you give like that golden information to somebody, like they they like will chase you down afterwards, right? I'm thinking about the guy we brought on to be the CEO of our of our real estate fund, right? It's because he's bought like two and a half billion dollars worth of this kind of commercial real estate we're trying to buy. And like, we keep showing him target deals that we like. And he's like, oh, no, no, that one's, you know, that one's too far this way. You need to be six blocks south before we would even want to be interested. And he's just like, holy cow, how, you know, what kind of a multi-million dollar mistake could we have made there because of all the rest of the op optics minus, <laughs> minus his one insight, you know, right? Yeah. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> well, when you think about, and maybe it's just my last follow-up question on this, when you think about translating, taking an expert who knows what to do and has the experience versus turning it into a do-it-yourself program, what's like a rookie mistake or what do you, where do you see that going wrong for people? From translating the information from the advisor over to your yeah. business? No, I no, I'm saying like oh. here you are, You've got to take this world-class sleep expert and then you've got to take this new mom where this, you know, might be first-time mom and you've got to help that information be in a form that the first-time mom can actually implement without being able to go back to the expert and ask questions. Any thoughts about yeah. simplifying that message so much that, or, or anything like that? You know, I think what happens is like, you very quickly have the curse of knowledge where like all of a sudden you understand things because you've been around it so long. And so a fresh, you don't have fresh eyes on it. And I think no one can overcome that curse of knowledge. And I think it just, it just comes through user testing. Like we we're pretty crazy about user testing here. For example, even this last week I did about 17 calls with users and just, you know, I'll show them a design, get their impact. And there'll be times where I'm like, holy crap, I was so in left field there, you know, but, but that is like, that is a hard thing to keep doing, to keep setting up 17 calls a week or however many you end up doing just to double check. And a lot of the times they're just like, yep. Like they, they say exactly what you thought they would say. And you're like, okay, got it. And so it's hard sometimes to be like, I need to check in. I need to like verify that this is, this will bring value or won't be confusing, you know, to users. So I think just building that in as like a, you know, just an expected muscle, just user testing like crazy when it comes to, you know, building product. Yeah. I guess there's no, no substitute for real feedback. Right. Yeah. Or whoever your or whoever your like target is. I mean, even like, even with investors, you know, we would, we put together a deck and they're like, okay, we know what we think about this, you know, but we're pretty blind. We've got a million blind spots. So we would show it to investors who wouldn't, who would never invest in our deal, but were like nice enough to like listen in, you know, it's like, it was outside of their investment scopes. We weren't burning a, a potential investor um, or people who had already invested and kind of had that like investor's mindset. We'd show it to them and they just rip it to bits, you know, <laughs> and asking people to rip you to bits. You know, I actually have two sayings I say all the time, which is uh, you can't offend me and I eat feedback for breakfast. 
and like starting a meeting off with that it's really fun to see people like okay well i'm gonna tell you <laughs> unload really you buddy like you told me and man i freaking love it because just we have so many blind spots when we create something and i again i advise a handful of companies and like when i look at their decks i just i do the same thing like you get it's so funny to see how we get in our heads on something and fresh eyes just have no idea you know what it is so i think it applies to a lot of things it just depends who your audience is whether it's users or investors it's kind of the same concept yeah i love it well maybe shifting gears here i know you know, with Forbes 30 under 30 and, and you guys getting, you know, the success you've got, you get a lot of media attention. What's a question that people don't ask you enough? What's a question you wish people were asking more? Oh, man. Good. Why, what's the longer term vision of Outlet? You know, I think a lot of people think that we are just a, maybe this should have been at the beginning of the, of the meeting, <laughs> but I feel like a lot of people think that we are just building like a baby brand. But when we, you know, the long, long-term vision of Outlet is that we'll actually be more like uh, an infant car seat. And, you know, it's actually interesting. You look at the history of the car seat, you know, we used to not really think much about, you know, just putting a baby on your lap and driving somewhere. But uh, when you actually look at the numbers, there was about back in the seventies, there's about 400 infants that passed away from car accidents every year. You know, we by technology created the car seat and we cut that number by 75%. So, and today it's like, you know, less than a hundred infants that pass away from car accidents. And that being the case, every single baby goes home with a car seat. You know, I have three kids on my third one, you know, the nurse followed me out to the car to make sure that I knew how to install a car seat. And, you know, I had to pass the car seat test. I'm like, really? I've got two others there, you know? But, you know, we just take it super, super seriously as we should, you know, it's something that we can prevent through technology. You know, you compare that to the issue, what we're trying to solve with the SmartSock, you know, obviously we, we can't claim that the SmartSock does this, but like, this is our long-term vision and mission and what like people are excited about to work at Outlet is that you look at the, the case of accidental suffocations and, and unexpected deaths that happen in the home with healthy infants. When you compare the numbers there, it's, it's mind-blowing. There's 3,500 infants that pass away at home that are completely healthy, you know, not with conditions. These are just babies that were laid to sleep on their belly when they should have been laid to sleep on their back or where the mom, you know, or dad fell asleep while feeding them, you know, and, and rolled over or, you know, one baby, you know, these, these kind of things that no one really expects to happen. The number is massive when you compare it to the car seat. It's actually the number one cause of of accidental deaths in, in in the first year of life so you know that is why we feel that our smart sock is going to revolutionize how we take babies home from the hospital you know and from like a, i can speak from a visionary aspect kind of all, all i want but you know our vision is that we can you know greatly reduce that number and be just like the car seat was you know a few decades ago you know make health sensing technology this the same standard where our kids are going to look back at us and be like, I can't believe you went home, you know, back <laughs> in the old days without health sensing technology, you know, to be able to make sure that babies are okay. And that's kind of our, our long-term vision and, and what we're really marching toward at Outlet. I love it. Well, you know, m maybe to finish off then, can you talk about this book? I was, I was looking on LinkedIn and you did a little video of a book of all the stories of parents who, who feel like the sock, save their kid's life or yeah. I don't know if I'm describing that right. What, what, what exactly was that book? Yeah. So we've got a, you know, again, you know, we don't make these claims in our, in our marketing material as you know, we shouldn't until we, we've like verified it with like scientific results, but anecdotally, you know, we've had 
close to a thousand cases where parents have messaged us and said, this product saved my baby's life. You know, we had no idea that the baby had rolled over and, and gotten their face, you know, kind of stuck in the blankets. We had no idea that, you know, insert story after story after story. You know, my baby was way sicker than we thought. This helped us catch a heart condition where the baby's heart rate spiked to 300, you know, just hundreds and hundreds of stories. And we actually collect them, you know, we validate them on the back. We go look at the back end data that shows the baby's oxygen level, you know, dropping off and matches what the story is. And there's a book in the office with, you know, we can't, oh, we actually can't keep Jordan, up. Jordan, we lost story. you so there. It's always for, outdated, even like from the day we print it. We lost you there for one second. Oh, you said you go do the, you go back through the data and, and are able to verify that it lines up with the story the parent sent in. Yeah. So the parent, so we actually take the story from the parent. We look up that parent's data on the back end and we match the event where the baby maybe stopped breathing and or was not able to get oxygen and we match that to the story that they sent us to verify that you know there's actual you know data behind that and then we save it in the book the book can never be up to date because you know we're constantly getting these stories from parents because you know we're making you know hundreds of these stocks a day you know so wow what a rewarding thing to be doing with your life yeah it's really fun awesome well listen everybody if you want to connect with jordan Go check out all his skiing pictures and jeeping pictures and family pictures on Instagram. It's Jordan J. Monroe. Jordan, this has been great. Thanks, thanks for coming on. Yeah, man. Super fun. Appreciate it. Bye, everybody.